This is Write Your Own Story, Three Keys to Rise and Thrive in Life and Business. I'm your host, Rebecca Fleetwood-Hessian. Hello, we have the infamous Rachel Eltz Downey, CEO and founder of Share Your Genius, on the show today. Hello, thanks for having me. I love this because you are the brilliance behind all of my podcast angst and ideas these days as the producer hosts of the show. So it's like the behind the scenes expertise is now at the mic. It's very meta. It's very meta, I feel like. (laughs) I love this topic today because it's near and dear to both of our hearts. And it's being a creative in the business world. Because there was a time early in both of our careers where that was a complete pain in the ass. And today, I think it is a huge advantage in what I refer to as the age of humanity. What are the kind of bullet points under that that you think are important that we'll we'll try to pull in today? Well, I think a couple of things is like, let's define what it means to be a creative. And I think it's all inherent to us as human beings. It's just what we focus on. And when you think about, you know, where you talk about the age of humanity, it is sort of the shift of what we prioritize in business in terms of what it means to be a creative and what it means to be sort of, you know, the traditional business person. And then I think that's a reframe in that. And then I also think it is sort of understanding your skills, your gifts, and using them in a way that also creates business impacts. Because I think you and I both agree that there's nothing wrong with pursuing a business and being successful in business. And like, you need profit if you want to pour into people, you know what I mean? But it's just like the reframe of that. And also you as a person working in a company and understanding where your gifts are and how to pull the levers that you need to pull, but then also knowing the weaknesses that you have and sort of maximizing other people to help you in those areas. Yeah. Love that. Let's start with defining a creative because I couldn't agree more. And quite frankly, we didn't script this thing out because that's not who we are. We're creatives. (laughs) But I love the idea of you get to define creative for yourself. Because I think the word creative sometimes limits people's ability to be themselves because we have this pattern of overthinking as business people because we were taught that was important. You got to have ROI. You got to have research. You got to have external validation of everything. And what we're saying is being a creative doesn't necessarily mean that you paint or draw or sing or do some of those traditional creative things, but you probably have a dream or an interest or a call in your heart that's a part of that creative nature that we all have that we're just asking you to pay more attention to. Yeah, I think the thing that creatives sort of do more naturally, if you think of what a traditional creative would be, they are aware of what their body's telling them, like their instincts, and they go pursue that. And they're also like willing to sort of start and stop. And they're willing to be messy and they're willing to live in the experiment without having the full use case proven out. And I think those are the the stereotypes that maybe you attach to a creative. I think some of the negative that can come with that is they're not reliable or they're fickle or they chase a fad and a passion and they're not focused or disciplined. And so I think that's where you see the negative. But the other thing I would say is like the truth of what creativity is, is creativity is actually productivity. And I think that we've missed that in how labels get created around talent. But creativity is productivity. It's just how do we create boundaries around it so that we create impact is I think the 
the Achilles heel. And that's where business people and creatives can actually come together to create something really beautiful and magical. The word boundaries could have a negative connotation. You're going to stifle my creativity. And what we're talking about is giving your creativity a purpose and a focus. I often use the example of if you've got wildly creative young children, because that's when the height of creativity is rewarded and it's celebrated. Look what you've done. Look what you've made. And if you just leave a group of small children in a room with a bunch of crayons and paints and walk away, you're probably going to come back to what you perceive to be a mess on the walls or the tables or wherever they've created their art. Versus if you say, next week is grandma's birthday and here is a sketch pad. I want you to paint the most beautiful picture that you know grandma would love the most. I mean, that's taking their same creativity and just saying purpose. Here's the purpose of what your art needs to serve today. Well, I think I could take that into the application of even how we partner with a lot of our clients. And a lot of times they're hiring us because we are creative, but we're also strategic in the way that we help them leverage the thing that we focus on, which is let's develop a show that drives the specific outcomes. But one of the first things that we walk our clients through is we develop what we call a show flow. And you've experienced this in our conversations of like, how do we take all your ideas that from a creative perspective can feel like chaos? How do we take all the chaos and how do we start to organize it to your point, give it a purpose, and then we can come back to it and assess, are we getting that end result? Are we creating that purpose? Is that purpose coming to fruition? If it's not, what do we need to tweak and edit and change? But then the show flow specifically is what I'm thinking about. And it's like we create, it's not boundaries necessarily to your point, but it's more like parameters to your example with the assignment with the children. It's like that we want you to create something. We're not telling you how or what, but we're giving you the tools and we're telling you how it's going to be used. It's going to be given to grandma. And I think that that's exactly right. And that's from a leadership perspective. If you're managing creatives, which again, we've said everyone is creative. Everyone has the potential to be creative. It's less about being prescriptive and more about pointing them in the right direction, giving them sort of, you could say, parameters in the way of like, these are your resources. These are the things I'm giving you. This is the budget I'm giving you. These are the people that I know that could potentially help you. Let's go see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Two things come to mind. One is we have too much of a value of end result versus process in the business world. And so it stifles people's desire to be messy and try. When in fact, as humans, we learn by doing and messing up and course correcting. And so if the expectation in business has become, don't do it unless you know you've got an ROI or you know you've got some neat and specific monetary outcome, you miss a lot of really valuable outcomes by not letting people be messy in the middle. And the other thing that comes to mind is from my content, which is value, relevance, and impact. So if you have this creative idea, this thing that you want to bring to the world, just think through, okay, how is this relevant? And what's the impact that I want? And then just start being messy and trying some of that stuff out. Because the biggest play today in business and in leadership and in culture is human to human needs. And it's no longer okay to put that on the back burner or not make that a key aspect of the story. Because story is what we're living every day, whether we acknowledge it or not. And so we as creatives are just saying, how can we better honor the human to human 
desires and interests that we have and use them in a way that serves one another. Yeah. Then again, just putting on that business hat though for a second, it's like you can go too far, right? Where you're letting people live in the mess and the experimentation (laughs) and the failure to a point where you actually fail as a business. And so your story back to your stakeholders is not the one that you want to tell. And so the thing I always think about is just like, what are the little experiments that we can play? And then how long are we going to play this experiment until we feel like it's something worth further messing up or further playing in or whatever? And I think that's the thing that I always balance is like, because I'm naturally somebody who just wants to create a whole bunch of chaos and I just want to see what happens. But that only can run for so long before you're burning out of steam or you're burning through resources or you're not staying focused enough or disciplined enough to actually create a positive outcome. And so I think that's the balance that as leaders or even as like people who are self-disciplined and self-motivated have to be keeping in in their own mind of like, when will I know it's worth continuing Or when do I just say it's okay that it's not going to be an impact and I just like doing it? You know what I mean? So there's some of that honesty too of like, no, I just like doing it. So I'm going to keep doing it, even if it doesn't do anything that I want to do. And I have clients where they have some creative skill or outlet or something that is inherent to their sense of joy and well-being that doesn't fit with their career. I'm like, cool, but prioritize it. Still make it a key part of your life so that you derive the feeling of doing the thing and don't think it either has to be your job or that you don't have time for it because your brain and your body and your heart needs it. So let's just prioritize it. And and to your point, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, as a business coach, I would quickly say to a client, okay, so what's the intended impact? Like it can be messy for a while, but we have to name something. I'm always asking the question, who's it for? Why does it matter? to them and to us. And let's define that it's relevant to your clients, your customers, someone. Otherwise, there's no sense in spending time and resources on it. And the other thing is, as a leader, and you experience this because we talk about it a lot, you like to change and innovate. And when other people are involved in change and innovation, it's disruptive because change by nature is stress. And so we have to be really mindful that we know the intended impact is high enough to allow there to be some disruption to get to that greater impact that we want for the organization. We can't just be like, hey, let's change strategy today. I was a little bored. Right. And I mean, I've been known to do things like that, even in my personal life. And that's been my own Achilles heel that I continually work through. But I think that then when we think about this context of creatives and business, I think it's more around how do we pursue creativity on purpose so that we get the best out of people and point them in the right direction so that they can innovate within something that maybe is already proven. And so we already know the impact is is secure. It's predictable. We already know what's going to happen. But can we give them a new hypothesis to test so that they can be creative without us being too prescriptive? And then look at the people who naturally want to disrupt the people who want to push past the status quo, which is who I am, you know, inherently, Mm -hmm. and let them make a mess of something because you have predictability over here and just make sure that you're not letting them play in the predictability so that they can go mess up something that doesn't exist right now. And I think that's the way that I- In the name of growth and innovation. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, let's not break the thing that's working. Okay. Because I've been known to break the thing that's working and create chaos when we didn't need it. You know what I mean? And so it's so you just gotta like- you got to know what your purpose. So at Share Your Genius, you know what you're here to do is, how would you describe what Share Your Genius purpose is? Our purpose is to foster meaningful human connection. That's the why we exist. And then it's the thing that we believe does that the best is by creating content that helps 
companies, specifically impact-driven companies and founders, move their missions forward. And podcast is the best way to do that, in my opinion. And I can go on that all day, but I'm not going to here. But that's kind of like the what we do. So that was a long-winded answer. No, it's perfect. If you're going to create something, when you say kind of mess something up or be disruptive, it's not going to be outside of the scope of that. Right. It's it's within like, how would it be better? What creative ideas do we have to make those, that purpose better? You're not just going to go out and be like, I think I'm going to start a landscaping company because I like trees and flowers today. Um, right. It's within the context of your purpose as an organization. But the other thing that you've been really mindful of and done a great job as a leader is you went and found a business partner to come in and be your kind of right hand in Kyle because he is the systems process structure desire, that's his love, is to say, okay, how can we make the thing that's working continually work better? And so you two have a really nice symbiotic relationship in that way. Yeah. And I would say what's interesting about that is he actually is a creative person. He channels that creativity differently. And so that's been really a nice balance. And so that leans us into this idea of knowing who you are enough to find people who can help balance out what you're not or never going to be. And so I think that's important too, because you have to be honest with who you are and what you want, even if you're still trying to figure that out. And you need people around you to also tell you, hey, this is a blind spot for you. And like, you might want to go find somebody who can do this because <laughs> you can't. I love that you brought that up. It was actually on my mind as I was coming out of my mouth. I was like, yeah, but being a creative can also mean that I like systems and processes and spreadsheets. And I'm going to find creative ways that we pay our partners quicker or that we make it easier for our clients to pay us or whatever it is, you can use that creativity in ways that traditionally have been um, not labeled as creative. Because to your yeah. earlier point, we're all creative. We are. We are all creative. I think the thing that we have misdiagnosed is that <laughs> is creativity versus productivity. Mm -hmm. And the thing that also as a culture, and I, you know this way more than I do, but results are what matter. Absolutely. But like how you get there doesn't necessarily always matter. And as long as everyone's on the same page of like, we're all on this boat, it's all rowing in this direction. If we're all clear on where we're all rowing, let's just agree on that. <laughs> and then it's like those ingredients can change, but the mission and the vision and the thing that we do is not. And if it is going to change, that's a different boat we're getting into. We're all clear on why we're getting out of that boat. We're poking holes in the other one and letting it sink. That's the thing that I think about is like, as long as we have like intentional clarity on what we're doing and why the rest of it starts to make the prescriptive of how we do it and what happens can get less prescriptive. Yeah. It's like we run a bakery and we bake baked goods. And you could shift and say, now we're gluten-free, dairy-free. We're still a yeah. bakery. But you got to let everybody know, stop putting these ingredients in because we've shifted. Like That to me, that to me makes a ton of sense. I can use an example from a coaching session I did yesterday with a partnership CEO and director of strategy where their business needs to grow, not from a financial need as much as they provide services that are needed bigger, bolder in the world. The need is great. And they, as leaders, are just pawing at the gate to go bigger and bolder. And they've got people doing the work who value the steadiness of the work because it's a very human-centered business. So you don't want to mess with people too much. And then they, as leaders, are just anxious 
for something greater. Great leaders don't just stay in the motions for very long. And they've they've cleaned up some messes and things are operating so well. They're winning awards. Everything's great. Now they're like, ah, what's next? And so I gave them a challenge. If they had to 3X their business in three years, what would they do? And just their own personal. I said, mm-hmm. don't talk to anybody else about it because they're going to think that this is what we're doing as a strategy. This is you two and me as your coach, just isolated in a room, throwing ideas out, right? So that's another piece is, Sometimes you need to isolate the creative ideas and insulate it from the rest of the organization until it's fleshed out enough that it's ready to go and be tested. And so when they came in yesterday with their ideas, it was so fun and beautiful. But one of the things we recognized was the ability for the organization to be able to embrace new and better. So we kind of assess the leaders on that scale of who's here just to maintain and who's here to grow. What does that mean from a succession planning and what do we need to do for the story? But then we also looked at the board. And there definitely needed to be some refresh, some new people on the board. But then I said, okay, so do you, the board members that you have know how you want them to use their specific talents and their uniqueness for the organization? So we went through and just kind of identified community builder, like growth from a, you know, you can take restaurant growth and apply it to another business, right? And so we just looked at each one of the board members and I said, if you go tell them that their biggest value to the organization is that, I promise you, you're going to get greater engagement because now they know better how to help you. There's so much there that you just said that I find fascinating. One is like, even to your point earlier about Kyle and Kyle's the president of Sherry Genius sitting alongside me and on the executive leadership side. And the thing that Kyle's brought to the company that was so desperately needed is like, I needed somebody that I could just call and like export ideas to and it not be like somebody feeling, oh, no, that means Rachel's changing the business. Rachel wants to do all these things and I'm overwhelmed. And they with they love load. you. So they want to get ahead of it. Exactly. And doing it. Yes. And you're like, well, that was just an idea. <laughs> like, so that's one of the things that he's brought to the table that I really needed is like somebody that I could just do that with and then sort of him be able to poke holes or be like, that's not a good idea right now, but maybe we talk about it in the future. So even just that idea of like you and that coaching scenario of like, hey guys, here's an assignment, go have fun. And then let's talk about what ideas you have. It I think is amazing. So I love that. And then the other thing is, and this is less about business and more personal, but there's so many tie-ins is like, I remember when I had my first daughter and we had a three-month NICU stay and I was living at the hospital for a while. We had a lot of different life things going on. And I remember though that, I had some people show up for me in different ways. Some people showed up physically and like spend the night with me at the hospital because I had anxiety, right? I had a friend of mine who I still don't know how she do it. She did it because I don't think this way, but like she brought a cooler to my house of a week full of meals that were just packed and ready to go. I could freeze them or I could eat them right there. And it was just like, that's exactly what I needed. And then I had some people who would be like, hey, let me know how I can help. And I remember being so annoyed by the people who would just ask me, hey, let me know how you can help. Because I'm like, I don't know how you can help. And I don't want to think about how you can help. And I'd rather you just not even bother me, to be honest. Not because I don't love you, but because I don't want to think about you and like like that. So my point is like, people don't actually know how to help you. And there's people who do, and it's amazing and it's awesome. But my point is when you get really crisp on what it is you want and being vulnerable enough and like willing to just like straight up ask for it, that moves mountains for you. And so like as a leader, it's something that I'm always thinking about. I'm like, how do I recreate those experiences where I had people show up for me in the way I exactly needed them to in that moment in my life? And now, you know, seven, eight years later, I'm thinking to myself, 
how do I do that as a leader now? How do I look at the people in my wheelhouse and say, how do I ask you for exactly what I want? Because I've done the job of figuring out what it is I exactly want. You know what I mean? Want or need. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It goes back to the purpose. What's the impact that we're trying to have? What's the purpose? And yours was survival in a complete disruption of your entire life. So fundamentally, food becomes this thing that used to be so taken for granted that one of your friends was like, food, I know how to do that. Boom, I got this. And you could easily tie that to, we all have something that we're good at. And we often take what we're good at for granted because it comes so naturally to us. And we've been programmed in our patterns of business to believe business and health. If it's not hard, it's not worthy. No pain, no gain. I have to go earn something. And in fact, the opposite is true when you're working out of your inherent uniqueness. We're unique down to our fingerprints on purpose, for a purpose. And when you trust that, I'm good at that. It seems really simple. Maybe it's not valuable because it's too simple. If you have that thought, just hit stop and reframe that and go, oh, it's the fact that I'm good at it and it is simple that is what makes it valuable and worthy and run with that thing like it's your job. Let's think about this then in like the context of this entire conversation. If I was listening to this, I'd be like, this all sounds good and gravy, but like, what do I do? So like in my head, the way that I think about it, and this is just a reflection of my own journey and my own maturity that I'm still going through. And it is this idea of like understanding who you are at some level. And then it's like getting really clear on what you want and what you need. Those things make a lot of sense to me. But then maybe the steps before those things are kind of what you just said, where it's like, what does naturally just come to me? What am I just doing that I don't even realize I'm doing? Or can I talk to some people and ask them, what do I do? Or do they do a session with you? <laughs> and like, My yeah. unique gifts and talents inventory. Yeah. One client, she now is in a, my 1000 Thriving Women group. But she said that one 90-minute session changed her life. And she and, and evidenced by behaviors and outcomes and things that have happened in her that she's making happen in the last three months in, of her life that are just blowing my mind. Because I just held up, up the mirror and said, hey, I don't know if you saw this, but this is great. This is who you are. It's phenomenal what happens when people go, ah, that's a yeah. thing? Yeah. Well, no, you you did the same thing for me. I actually was thinking about this recently, but you told me that the gift of improv was one of my giftings. And I was like, I had never articulated that or understood that as a gift ever, 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 ever. And it was so weird to me to have that addressed. But then I've actually used it recently. So, for example, like I put myself in a position of like shouldas. I should have done this. I should have prepped. I should have prepared. I should have. Not that I should not prepare, but. I'm in a very reactive state of life with my business, with my children at the age they're at. I do my best, right? <laughs> like to yeah. plan and organize. But the reality is a lot of my life is not in my own control. But I have clarity on where I'm going. I've given myself a lot more grace in the last few months than I have ever before to the point where like I feel way less stressed because I'm like, for example, I'll have like a, a podcast that I'm going on or even a discovery call with somebody or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? If I just embrace the fact that I am good at improv and I show up in my gifting and I'm present and I'm just here, I guarantee things are going to go better for me. And they have 100%. And I feel way less stress because I'm clear on the fact that actually this is a gift that I have. And it's okay. So true. But the business world has tried to tell you that that's not productive to your point. 
it's not being prepared, it's bad or it's wrong. And it's not true at all. And we found that gift from, I always go back all the way to 14-year-old you and work my way up. And it was a pattern that existed in the fun things that you like to do as a preteen and a teenager, Mm -hmm. like making movies with your brother and your friends. Like you've always been creating shows and improv. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it was fascinating to me because it was like I almost gave myself grace to be who I am because you gave me permission to recognize that that was a gift. And so I think, again, just tying this all back to what we've been talking about is like, if you have the space to actually think about that or even talk to people that you grew up with and like kind of have them help you identify what those pieces are, I think allows you to unlock your creativity in a way that drives real impact in a way you maybe have never even thought of before. And I think giftedness, like our creative gifts and talents and abilities, can be the way that we make people feel at work. It may not even be the work itself, but the energy you bring into a space could be your greatest gift that you bring to your company. And I think the reason to bring people back together and work in a shared space occasionally, not required compliance, get back to work because I don't know if you're working or not, if I can't see you. That's not, that's for another day. I could rant about that for hours. Um, But the idea of commerce and business being a community and having occasional times where you bring your people together so that they can feel the warmth and the safety of the humans that people work with will make your online calls far more productive when people really know somebody's heart. And you know those people that are like, well, let's make sure we have the right kind of space to meet in. And let's make sure that we have like the gathering gifts of, do we have the right food and snacks? Well, did you remember that so-and-so is gluten-free? That can be the way you bring your creativity into work that maybe have nothing to do with a spreadsheet or a report or a customer, but just you're good at that. So do it because it feels good. I think like that's actually, I think if we redefine creativity or the creative, because we've decided that all humans are creative, it's unlocking your gifts in the right pursuits. And that unlocks the creativity, which actually is productivity. If somebody wants you to help them do that for their business, share your genius. How do they get in touch with you to do that? I mean, LinkedIn is my best channel for connecting with people. We are in the business of fostering human connection and we use content to do it in a way that's scalable, sustainable, and affordable and creative. Thanks for listening to this episode. I would love it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. And then you can go to RebeccaFleetwoodHessian.com and join the Badass Women's Council. And if you really want to take a deeper dive, join the movement of a thousand thriving women. There's amazing Thrive tools there for you today. Love you, mean it. I'm not coming down. Hey, y'all. Fun fact. If you like the music for the podcast, that is actually my son, Cameron Hessian. And I would love it if you would go to Spotify and iTunes and follow him and download some of his other music. My personal favorite is TV Land.